day, what a day. Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your host, JT The Brick. We're out of the gate, JT. Today, our last show of the week, and next week our coverage begins for the Super Bowl in Los Angeles. I'll get in there around Tuesday, and we have a bunch of Raider legends lined up, great guests, and we're really excited to be on the road. Thanks to Q and everybody here at Lotus, especially Q, who does a great job hosting radio for us, but also as our program director. So we're pumped up. A bunch of us are going out to L.A. next week, and it should be a lot of fun. As we get rolling today on this Friday, which was a huge week for the Raiders, my conversation with Josh McDaniels, we're going to replay that in the second hour of the show. The Raiders had a big week, plus it's a huge weekend here for the NHL, because the NHL's here for the All-Star Game, and the NFL's here for the Pro Bowl. That's fantastic. And on top of that, the Raiders have a new GM, a new head coach, so this was a really big week in Las Vegas sports history. I mean, if you look at the big picture This entire week is big, and we covered it here, and we want to get your opinion on the week that was. So I always give you something to call in on if you'd like to or tweet at JT the Brick. But I want to know how this week went for you in the Raider Nation and how you came to grips with this regime change when it comes to football coach and GM, everything that you absorbed on the radio and print, what you watched on TV with the move, You heard Josh McDaniels on multiple platforms, Dave Ziegler with the Raiders. So how do you feel about all this now that you're settled in? Because this has been a really rough week for the NFL. And the Raiders had an interesting week, a big week, in regards to the future direction of the franchise from a coaching and GM perspective. And the rest of the league is upside down because of what's happening with Brian Flores and his lawsuit against the NFL. And the Washington Commanders changing their name ahead of this congressional roundtable that's been happening into the conduct of the Washington football team. So Roger Goodell's got his hands full today on a Friday. I mean in a big way. I've been following pro football talk on this Washington football team. Now the Commanders and the investigation that's going on, they had a hybrid roundtable, whatever the hell that is, uh, the House Committee on Oversight and Reform. So it's very complicated on the connection between the Washington football team and their owner, Dan Schneider, and how they treated women poorly, and the fact that there was an investigation on this, but the investigation was really there to protect Washington and the NFL if there were legal issues down the road, which there are now. Well, once Congress got their head wrapped around this, because Congress is based just a few miles away from the new Washington Commanders, they put a committee together and they came out with an eight-page letter that was sent today. And a lot of people are looking at that letter today and explains the new documents obtained by the committee, which raises, quote, newfound concerns over the independence of Beth Wilkinson and her investigation. Because as Mike Florio points out, it looks like Beth Wilkinson was there as the fixer. She wasn't there to run an investigation. She was there to kind of connect the league and the Washington football team at the time in case they go in front of Congress, which they are now. So it is very complicated. I don't want to bog down the show with this for two hours. we got a lot lined up with you. 
today, but it's a really important point because it connects to John Gruden emails through the conduct of the way the Washington football team treated women, which opened up this Pandora's box into this football team. And if you go south to Miami, Stephen Ross, one of the owners of the team, the owner of the team, the multi-billionaire, is being accused by Brian Flores for basically integrity issues, cheating, telling the coach that he'd be rewarded if he lost more games in his first season to get a better draft pick. If that turns out to be true, as we've been discussing for the last few days, he's going to have the team removed from him. He's going to be out of the league. Then, as we touched on John Elway, I did a big show last night on John Elway because John Elway has to come to the defense now because Brian Flores was accusing him of being hung over and disheveled in a meeting a couple of years ago that took place in Providence, Rhode Island. And John Elway is a bleeping goat. Tom Brady's the ultimate goat, but John Elway is a legend, a gold jacket, Hall of Fame legend. And now Elway's on the defensive, so he's got to be pretty upset with the league and what's happening with Brian Flores because he now has to defend his name, which you don't want to do when you don't have to at Elway's age. Elway's done it all. Elway's done everything you can do in this league. Super Bowls as a player, as an executive, Hall of Famer, and now he's got accusations that he was hung over, and he took an overnight flight. He was flying three, four, five in the morning in the air, woke up after a you know, probably take a nap on the plane, shows up for this meeting, and Brian Flores is putting that out to the public. So this is a really interesting week going into the Super Bowl, isn't it? All of these stories happening. And I want to talk more about the Raiders today. Because while I'm here, before we head out next week, I'd like to know from you, the Raider Nation, if you want to talk about all these other big topics on minority coaches not getting hired. Doug Peterson was just hired in Jacksonville instead of Byron Lefwich. I did that show last night, too, and a lot of people are upset that a qualified African-American candidate in Byron Lefwich didn't get that job. And they're spinning it in Jacksonville that he didn't get along with Trent Balke, the GM. And it's hard to argue that Doug Peterson doesn't deserve that job. He's got a really good record. He won a Super Bowl. He went to the playoffs in Philadelphia three of the five years he was the head coach and won a Super Bowl. So he's worthy of a job. But the point is Jacksonville interviewed a lot of black candidates leading up to Doug Peterson's hire. So now what's changed in the NFL, which is probably a great thing, or yeah, I think it's a good thing because it's more transparent. What I think came out of the Rooney Rule this time around in this cycle, the Rooney Rule failed again because there's just a bunch of owners who still don't get it. Luckily, we have one who does. Mark Davis, the son of Al Davis and Carol Davis, he doesn't see race. You know that Al Davis didn't. Al Davis is the kingmaker in the history of the NFL of hiring minority candidates. Men, women, Al Davis is the king of that. No one will debate that issue. And Mark got a lot of that or all of that from his dad. So Mark knows the rules about who to interview, when to interview, how to do it. And they ended up hiring Josh McDaniels. But you don't hear people around the league saying, why didn't the Raiders hire this guy or that guy? Because the Raiders conduct themselves at the highest level, typically when that process happens. they got a great track record with that. But clearly other teams don't. And now there's a lot of African-American radio listeners and fans and people on social media that have just had it. They're done with this whole process because of Brian Flores and the news that we've had this week. So it was a very deep week, a lot of research, a lot of phone calls, a lot of preparation, trying to figure out how to handle this topic. 
And I think we do a pretty good job at handling these big topics when it comes to race. And we let everybody call in. Why wouldn't we? I want to hear all different opinions on this. So there's a lot of people that are really upset this week because they think the NFL, the sport that we all love, is failing them when it comes to racial inequity. And it shouldn't be. This should be perfect now. This should be buttoned up. All right? The NFL has been around 100-plus years. And in 2022, it just seems like an African-American coach who deserves a head coaching job can't get one. Literally can't get one around the league. And a lot of people are saying, how could this be possible? And a lot of teams are on the defensive. The New York Giants are saying, we hired Brian Dayball, but we interviewed Brian Flores. Well, that was a sham interview. If they cared about Flores, they should have interviewed him first, and then they wouldn't have had to bring in Brian Dayball because he would have blown him away in the interview and got the job. And that's what triggered Brian Flores to go on this media tour where he's telling everybody about the bad behavior of the NFL. John Elway allegedly hung over. Uh, Bill Belichick texting him, and Belichick didn't do anything wrong. He just got confused about who he was texting. Stephen Ross, an owner, talking about tanking games. And then there's Jimmy Haslam, the owner of the Browns, because Hugh Jackson said that he was rewarded for being a, a, a coach of an awful team, one of the worst teams of all time. He was rewarded because the owner wanted to lose. Are you kidding me? So we now have accusations against two of the 32. Two of the 32 owners. Haslam in Cleveland and Ross in Miami for integrity issues as the league's completely in bed with gambling. (laughs) The league's completely in bed with gambling. All I see all day long is DraftKings, FanDuel, uh, Caesar Sportsbook, BetMGM, all great companies, and all they do is run ads on, on how you can start gambling, and they'll give you free money to start gambling. And then this week we find out maybe two owners want their teams to lose. It is a firestorm, but I want to talk football today. Next week, we're going to talk the legends. We're going to talk a lot about Cincinnati. I'll get to that a little bit later, and the Rams. But as we begin, I want to get to that congressional roundtable. Listen to this exchange with the women who were the cheerleaders of the Washington football team at the time, before that, the Redskins, and what they had to say about the environment in the nation's capital. How many times were you sexually harassed when you were working at the Washington Redskins Command, whatever they're called now? Too many to count. I was there 14 years, and it's too many to count. Is it more than 100? It's more than 100. More than 200? If I had to guess, yes. These comments, these sexual objectification comments, these uncomfortable situations, I was arm candy at events with all the male executives. Like, it was a very constant thing. Thank you, Ms. Johnson. At least 50 to 100. And it wasn't even just the comments, it was the situations of being tossed in the air with a skirt on and me having to convince myself, keep your legs closed to avoid an uncomfortable situation in front of the potential client. All right. Uh, Ms. Flores? Over 100. Ms. Applegate? I worked there for a year and a half, so mathematically that would be roughly 515 times because it happened on a daily basis, and that was a a seven-day-a-week job. All right. Singleton? I echo what Emily said. It happened every single day that you were on site. It didn't matter where you were. It was a pervasive culture that happened, and I worked there for eight years. So multiply that 500 times by eight. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Chairman, thank you. This was a predatory environment. I don't believe it's just going on at the Washington Commanders. This is a message to send to every football team in this country. And the criminal conduct that appears to have gone on at the Washington Commanders needs to be fully investigated. 
Hear that at the end, and we'll play that next hour. Needs to be fully investigated. This is a Congress. Six former employees spoke today, and then we find out the NFL may not be able to publicly release the findings of its internal investigation unless Daniel Snyder agrees to that. Why would he ever agree to that? So this is another issue that Roger Goodell is going to have to speak on at his State of the Union press conference, which will be next week. So really trying times for the league right now and what the league's going to do and what's going to happen next. If you have an opinion on this, I'd love to hear from you. 702-365-9200 is our number. And, you know, from a football perspective, this is why the commissioner gets paid all that money. He has to put out these fires. But now Congress is involved. There's a lot of attorneys. Brian Flores is on a media tour talking about his situation. And the owner in Miami and Cleveland are now involved, plus the owners of the New York Giants for conducting a sham interview, which seems to be obvious. No one's debating that. I read the New York papers every day. Everybody seems to be, everybody seems to understand what's happening there. So with all this happening, let's talk about this a little bit today and then get into the Raiders. Cover of the Las Vegas Review Journal today. You got Hunter Renfro on the cover on a cold, chilly day across the street from the house here as I host the show at the Las Vegas Ballpark as they had the skills competition practice. They had the practice there at the ballpark, and Hunter Renfro was there, Max Crosby, Denzel Perryman, A.J. Cole. I think everybody should be really excited and really proud of these pro bowlers who are representing the team this Sunday here in Las Vegas. I'll be at the game on Sunday. I can't wait to go. I think it's going to be a big party. The game is not a big deal. The game is not that ultra competitive, but I think the way the NFL is going to put on a show, and especially what the Raiders are going to do to enhance that show with Allegiant Stadium is going to be special. And then on top of that, we have the NHL All-Star Game. T-Mobile is a beautiful arena. They're going to do some things off the strip, along the strip, which is going to be great, outside the Bellagio with the lakes there, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So with all this happening, I'd like to also know what you're doing this weekend. If you had to choose between the hockey or the Pro Bowl, where are you going? How are you getting tickets? Tell a story with me. Is it easy to go? Did you fly in for this? If you're listening on our our stream here on Raider Nation Radio, and what do you think about all of this? This is a big deal. It's a big weekend for Las Vegas. From Monday with Josh McDaniels in our interview to Friday with the Pro Bowl and the NHL All-Star Game. UNLV basketball beating Reno and all the hype here for the Golden Knights. As I was hanging out with a few friends last night after the show, and man, we are hyped up for this Jack Eichel start here in the run that the Golden Knights are going to have in the postseason. So those are just a couple of quick things that we're talking about out of the gate. Let's hear from you. A full show today and then on Monday, Tuesday, I head out to Los Angeles And then we're going to be buried. Not going to be many time. Not a lot of opportunities to call in because we just have everyone from Marcus Allen, Tim Brown, Fred Bolitnikoff, uh, all the other legends that are going to join us. Romo, Bill Romanowski is going to join me live from the set there. And then Barry Sanders is confirmed. Just a lot of Hall of Famers and gold jackets. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Manny in Denver. Start us off, Manny. How are you? I'm good, JT. How are you, man? I'm doing real well. Thanks. Good, good. Yeah, no, I just wanted, you know, I've been... Listen, you know, I listen to the show every day at my lunch mm-hmm. for the little bit of time I get. And, you know, I wanted to call in yesterday, ran out of time. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, is is a, is a you know, a, a brown male, a brown and black male. Um, this doesn't just exist in the National Football League. You know, I've been through interviews that are, 
you walk in immediately know that you, that, that job is not yours and you're just kind of in there for it. I've been there, done it. Um, you know, it, it's, it's one thing when you start getting up into, you know, upper management is where these issues start to, for me anyway, that I noticed that's where I can't get over the hump. You know, the profession I've in been 10 plus years, um, have two higher degrees in this thing and you still can't get those positions. So that is, you know, it's just, you know, when you go from same kind of thing, you know, you go from your coordinating coaches to, to your head coaches. So this is something that doesn't only go on there, it goes on everywhere. And, you know, mm-hmm. the, the minute you walk in, I, you know, Brian Flores, the whole thing with, that he talked about, completely relatable. I'm like, man, I just, just went through this, you know, a year ago. So right. exactly know what he's going through. And it's, it's, uh, uh, it's, it needs to stop at some point. So you feel, you, you know, feel that this is really relatable to you. What Brian Flores is going through yeah. in the NFL, you believe Absolutely. you're going through that in life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it is, uh, it's, uh, it's hard, you know, last summer it was, uh, it was hard for me to choke down missing out on, uh, you know, three, four different opportunities that I worked my butt off for the past 10 years, educationally, all these different things, you know, and it just, uh, so, you know, when he gets up and speaks, it, it, uh, it really speaks to me and it's like, man, I know exactly what you're going through kind of thing. It is, it is hard. It is tough. So okay. yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for the phone call. Appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, it's a relatable topic. Olden Polonese, the 15-year NBA vet. Olden's one of my Mount Rushmore uh, guests. He's fantastic. He's going to join us in hour number two. And usually we talk about basketball. He specifically said he wants to talk about Brian Flores. So that should be pretty interesting. That's coming up in the second hour of the show. As we continue on, opens up a line for you, 702-365-9200. You know, back to what the Raiders – did this week and the week that the Raiders had, a lot of people love how Mark Davis handled everything. A lot of people, even Raider fans that, you know, love the old coaching staff, uh, love the players. They like the way this was handled around the league. You know, we spent all of this week thanking Rich Passaccia. I wanted to make sure I could do that on my radio show and say that to this audience. I mean, I interviewed him. I was the only guy to talk to him one-on-one every week the whole time he was here as the head coach. And he was fantastic and, and was such a gentleman. And he will go on to do great things. I got to know a little bit about his family behind the scenes and what he's like as a grandfather and a father and his whole life. He is fantastic. And I wish him nothing but the best. You know, I, I like Gus Bradley. I interviewed him a bunch, and I've interviewed Mike Mayock a number of times. And now we had Josh McDaniels on. We're supposed to get Dave Ziegler coming up here pretty quick. Uh, next week in L.A., and looking forward to building relationships and helping any way we can on the radio for this team to move forward and to have a great season upcoming here. Joe Burrow is in the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow. He's in the Super Bowl two years ago, two wins. How did this team, how'd they do it with an offensive line that gave up nine sacks, nine, in Tennessee? And I was talking to the great Raider Mort today, as I normally do, prepping for the show and I said Mort could you believe that and Mort told me he says no great quarterbacks can do that great quarterbacks who can see the field that quickly can do what Joe Burrow does but normally it takes a number of years Burrow did it winning the Heisman in the national championship at LSU and he's quickly doing it in the NFL very impressive and what we're seeing now with this new crew the GM and the coach uh, now they begin their search they are looking for other coaches to come in and assist this team. Uh, some of the names we might be familiar with, others possibly not. Uh, we'll go through some of those names coming up here in a little bit. And the direction of what the team's going to go through defensively. I think the offense is going to be fine with Josh McDaniels. He's a wizard 
when it comes to drawing up plays and running an offense. Six Super Bowl rings. So I feel that the offense needs to get two offensive linemen, at a minimum, two offensive linemen. If they get them in the draft, whatever. I want to see guys who have played in this league. If Richie Incognito can stick around here for a couple of years and not play, I want to see a couple offensive linemen come in here. And we like Richie. He just was never available. They got to get some offensive linemen in here who can start and help out Derek Carr. And then on the defensive side, I wonder what the direction's going to be in regards to a 3-4 or a 4-3. And if they're going to run the 3-4, they're going to have to get better linebackers than what they have here, period. They're going to have to get better linebackers, younger, faster linebackers via the draft, and then maybe one stud in free agency. And then at least one corner who's a ball hawk, a corner who's had a season with at least five or six interceptions and we know can catch the ball if it's thrown to him and flip the field. Special teams is unbelievable with Colin Carlson. It's fantastic. We all know how great Darren Waller is and can be. We all know what Hunter Renfro's doing, Max Crosby. We see the core of this team that has now been handed over to Josh McDaniels. What is Coach McDaniels going to want to do to get better players around and have a better opportunity to win? I don't know. I, I don't know what the focus is on free agency in the offseason yet, but we're soon to find out. Because the coaches that they're bringing in will be indicative of what they want to do and the type of team they want to run. And this search is going fast because there's a lot of other organizations around the league trying to hire staffs. So a lot of these coaches are sitting back. The money's enormous and waiting to go for the right fit. And the Raiders are in that position where they are trying to make the right fit And Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, especially Josh McDaniels with all the coaches he's known over all those Super Bowl runs and all the coaches he's met over his life, should be pretty good at building out a staff. Robert and Henderson on 920. Hello, Robert. Thank you. Hello, sir. I wanted to weigh in real quick. Uh, I think on the the NFL, you know, it's their big week. So there's always Mm going to be people coming out of the woodwork for – you know, for stories, uh, same thing happens with the Masters every year. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always some sort of big story that they have to address. People are always trying to take them down. Uh, but when we talk about the Cham interview, you know, I'll play devil's advocate a little bit. I mean, if if, if our company's hiring somebody, I mean, they're going to go out and line up four or five candidates. After the second interview, we may all love that second interview, whether it's, you know, man, woman, um, you know, black, white, Hispanic, they may love that person and say, you know, that this is our guy. This is our candidate. But they're not going to cancel the other interviews. I mean, you've set these up, so they're going to talk to them, but they may have their mind made up. I think that's just the way business runs. I think it would be unprofessional to cancel these last two or three interviews, but then again, maybe that fourth person or the fifth person knocks their socks off. But I just yeah. think you can't go yeah, that, that, Hold on a second. Well. Hold on a second. You're, you're making a very important point because – Whoever the candidate is, black or white, if someone knocks someone's socks off, as you said, they should get the job. That's what I think has been hurting Eric Bieniemy in the interview yeah. process from what I heard. He just doesn't interview well. And by the more and more interviews you go on, I don't care if you're a kid and you're an intern coming out of college in real life, not football. You go on interview after interview so you get more comfortable in that environment. But a guy like Brian Flores, who's already been a head coach and went on countless interviews before he became a head coach in Miami – He shouldn't have to go on the circuit again with six or seven other teams and and do more than he's done before he was a head coach. He should be brought in on the respect that he's already been a head coach who's been successful. 
if the interview goes well, he should get the job. He shouldn't be parked on the side and then seven or eight or nine white candidates also have interviews and one of them knocks him out. Don't bring him in for the interview with his resume under Belichick for 10 years, a winning head coach with the Dolphins, and make him sit in the lobby for two days after you interviewed him and not get back to him. The guy deserves a job by showing up because he's been through the process already. Does that make sense? I think that does make sense. And if if it happened the way he says it happened, obviously not good. Uh, But in the same token, I mean, I think that's the law nowadays. I mean, you have to interview all these different people. The first person may come in and go, my God, it's Bill Belichick. We have to hire him. But you can't just hire him. You've got to interview four or five people. I mean, there's a whole process and uh, you know that has to take place nowadays, and that's I think that's the way it is, and it's unfortunate because you may find the first person, and rather than waste time, let's get this person in and get them started. But in the same token, I mean, in in the world of business, you can't do that anymore. Yep. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Very complicated issue. It shouldn't be that complicated. The best man or woman should get the job. Period. And people that have already proved that they can do this in the league, they should not have to jump through every hoop the way some new guy does, the way a white 33-year-old offensive coordinator who has no experience as a head coach, zero, gets the job over an African-American candidate who's coached in this league and had, had success. That's why Brian Flores snapped. He snapped. He said, I had enough. I'm humiliated. You're humiliating me. Let's go to the TV networks. Let's talk about it. We'll talk about that with Olden Polonese coming up here in a little bit. And coming up, we'll get into the NHL All-Star Game because there's a great podcast, and I mean a great podcast that I download, Missing Curfew. It's awesome. It's lifestyle hockey players hanging around, talking about drinking beer, playing hockey, having a lot of fun. Shane O'Brien will join us. He's here in Vegas. They're doing a big remote outside T-Mobile, and we want to make sure that we present hockey this weekend as the hockey world is upon us here in Vegas. We'll try again on the left side. Carlson, side of the goal, extra pass. Marcioso scores! Jonathan Marcioso, power play goal, 3-0 Vegas. Dan Duva on the call, JT back. Good to have everybody today. You know I love the NHL. I love the Vegas Golden Knights, and I love the Missing Curfew podcast, one of the best. Forget about the NHL and all the sports. We have Shane O'Brien. Obi, good to good to have you on the show. Welcome to Vegas. How are you? Oh, uh, thanks for having me. We, we appreciate it. We uh, we missed curfew a little bit last night, but we kept it together. <laughs> so so far, so good. Well, that's what I love about the podcast. First off, how proud are you of what you're involved with with Albert Call, his success from NBA Summer League, finding you guys, putting this podcast together because it's not just about the games and the box scores. You guys are talking about travel drinking beer, having fun, all of your former teammates. It's a great, great podcast. Yeah, well, thank you very much. And, uh, yeah, obviously with, with Uppy and me being best buddies for, you know, our whole career and, you know, training together, playing together, and I, I just thought it would be, you know, pretty cool to do it with them. And then, you know, when we came to Hall Pass Media with A-Hall and the boys, it, 
it had a family feel and, and a team feel, and um, it, it's been unbelievable. So without Hall Pass Media and those boys, we wouldn't be able to take the next step. But we're loving every second of it and uh, could be happy to be in Vegas. Excellent. Now let's get to the All-Star game. But before that, I want to talk about the mystery behind the Vegas flu. When our Golden Knights started and other teams pre-COVID would come in, and I'd get text, you know me, I'd get text at 2 in the morning, hey, uh, the, the Ducks are in this nightclub. Hey, the Rangers are partying at this restaurant, and they haven't left yet. Teams were coming here to play hockey in Vegas, and Vegas was taking them down with nightlife, and our Golden Knights went to the Stanley Cup year one. Do you believe in the Vegas flu? <laughs> You know what? I, I do now. I do now. And it was a, it was an unbelievable ride, right? And, you know, the, the thing was, obviously, with the, the strategy shooting that year and the, and the city mm-hmm. coming around the team and, and the way that Vegas came around the city. And, you know, I, I didn't know what to expect when Vegas got a hockey team. I thought it would be a lot of visiting fans come in. And, boy, mm-hmm. I couldn't have been more wrong. And the city loves it. The building's unbelievable. But, uh, yeah, the Vegas flu, it was a real thing. And I never played in the league, but I used to talk about being stuff like that going into Vegas. And uh, everyone was having a good time. Shane O'Brien joins us, and we're here talking about the podcast, Missing Curfew. You know, Vegas and Mr. Foley, the owner, it really feels like he's building an all-star team. You know, Flurry's gone. This town did not handle that well. So I want your comment on how Flurry left. Now it's Robin Leonard. And then on top of that, we bring in Jack Eichel, one of the most explosive players coming off injury. So what do you think of this Knights team this year in their potential run to the Cup? Yeah, it's pretty impressive, right? And, and you, know, you got to give Bill Foley credit. He came in here and, and uh, had a great first year, like we were just talking about, and, and he got a taste of it, and he wants to win a Stanley Cup. And, um, you know, with Flurry leaving town, it was just a situation of the cap, right? You can't have two goaltenders making that much money, and mm-hmm. Leonard was the younger guy. So it is what it is. And when it comes to Jack Eichel, um, Ice is one of our good buddies. He's an absolute beauty, and um, everything I hear, he's flying. He feels good. So um, as a friend, I'm excited for him to get on the ice. Um, but for a Vegas Golden Knights fan, I mean, you look at them down the middle, uh, they're as good as anybody. Shane O'Brien is our guest. Obi joins us. Missing Curfew podcast. Please download it, subscribe. You'll love it. It's much more than hockey. It's about a lifestyle. How hard do hockey players party on the road compared to back in the day? Because we just lost Clark Gillies. <laughs> I grew up an Islander fan, right? So yeah. when teams came east, you had to play the Devils, the Islanders, and the Rangers, and all the hockey players would be in New York City. We talked about the Vegas flu. Now what's happened with the sport on the road because of the pandemic. And, you know, it was at a point where it was very serious and guys couldn't even leave their team hotel. Has it opened up? Are the boys having fun when they hit the road? Yeah, you know what? It's a great question. And I mentioned this a lot. You know, I give these players over the course of the last two seasons, and granted, you know, they're making lots of money and it's a privilege to play in the National Hockey League, but the sacrifices that they have made, um, not being able to go for dinners, not being around their families, having to go to the bubble, it, it's been unbelievable. Um, they're starting to loosen up. They're having some fun. We have, we've had some boys over here today at the Hard Rock Cafe, and uh, let's just say a few of them missed curfew last night, so they're enjoying themselves. <laughs> Missing curfew is the podcast as we wrap it up. So a couple other big-picture NHL stories. Tampa Bay goes back-to-back. Historically, for those, I mentioned the Islanders, they won four cups in a row, Gretzky in Edmonton, Iserman in Detroit. How great can this Tampa team be if they go for a three-peat or they win three over five years? Put this Tampa Bay into historic perspective how great they are. Yeah, I mean, with the Islanders and the Oilers from Wainers Day, I mean, it's so impressive, um, you know, top to bottom there. Obviously, I'm a big fan of John Cooper. Uh, what Coop's done there, the adversity they went through, 
you know, listen, when they got swept by Columbus after being the President Cup champs, I mean, they could have fired Coop. They could have traded guys. They stuck with it. Um, and the thing that impresses me most is, is the next man up mentality they have there, right? Kucherov gets hurt. Point gets hurt. They continue to move forward. Um, and listen, they're going to be a tough out again. And uh, when you got Vasilevsky between the pipes in a seven-game series, I like their chances. All right, so we have the NHL All-Star Game and the NFL Pro Bowl in town. Pretty wild, right? You see Allegiant Stadium. I saw you guys. I know you guys have seen that. You talked about how great T-Mobile is and what a great weekend. So the future of Vegas for Missing Curfew and the podcast, I can help you. You need some more sponsors? Can we get you out here more? We need you guys out here more talking about this sport. Hey, we nothing would make us uh, happier, right? And we were we were lucky enough to come last year in the playoffs, and uh, A Hall did his thing and got us dialed in at T-Mobile. So you know we're in with the Vegas Golden Knights a little bit, but we love Vegas. Um, that new Raiders stadium looks beautiful. I was pulling for the Raiders this year with all the adversity they went through for them yeah. to make the playoffs. Um, showed a lot of character. So uh, we'll come out here as much as you guys want. Just let us know we're all in. Thanks, Obi. We'll see you out tonight. I'm going to see Albert and uh, say hi to you guys. Have a great weekend. All right, and uh, watch party at the Hard Rock tomorrow for the All-Star game. If no one's going, come over and hang out with the Missing Curfew boys. You got it. There we go. Appreciate Thanks. it. Missing Thanks. Curfew will be at Virgin Hotels. Uh, they're gonna. They they're, everybody's taking over Virgin Hotels. That's my hangout. The former Hard Rock, where I met my wife. Now we have the great steakhouse, One Steak, which I love, and all the great shenanigans that go on there. I'm telling you, this is a big weekend to get out, everybody. And there's hockey players in town, the greatest in the world. Football, the Pro Bowl, there's a lot of people in town, executives from both leagues. It's going to be a fun weekend. The weather is a little bit cold out there, but I think everybody with the sun out, a lot of people are playing golf, a lot of people are experiencing Las Vegas for their first time as a sports town of this magnitude. And it's important. You know, we have a community here that wants to show everybody a good time. So let's consider doing that. Got time to get you on the radio before the top of the hour, 702-365-9200. Big hour coming up next. We'll talk to Olden Polonies. And at the top of the hour, if you missed it, uh, my interview with Josh McDaniels. We're going to play that again. That was a big deal for us, getting him first on the radio. And he had a lot to say. So that's coming up right at the top of the hour. Josh McDaniels, new head coach of the Silver and Black. Download that Missing Curfew podcast. Hey, and wherever you're around town, Remember, Woodson Bourbon Whiskey, Pro Bowl, Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. Ask for Charles's Whiskey. Well, I, I think that John and Mike had built a uh, foundation to build upon, and I think that's what we're doing now, and I think moving forward, that's what these two are going to be building upon, that foundation. Uh, We've got some great players in this organization right now. Um, I believe there's a great culture in this organization right now, which is what they will find. They haven't seen that as much yet because they haven't seen all the players together. But that's something that Rich had built uh, over the last six months is a fantastic culture in this building. And uh, I think that uh, just now we're just moving to the next level. And it's not a rebuild. It's not a reload. It's just taking this to the next level and uh, getting to that Super Bowl and winning some championships. Well, Mark Davis gave you a lot there. Gave you a lot there. JT, welcome back as we're brought to you by PT's Best Happy Hour in Town, 5 to 7, midnight to 2. you got a lot of sports in town this weekend. Head on out to PT's as they fuel the monologue. PT's my longest partner here on the radio, and they got a massive weekend in front of them with all the sports and all the people that are going to be hitting up the taverns, the Strat, Arizona Charlies, all their properties. So Mark Davis just said in that soundbite about the culture in the building, 
which was helped built by Rich Passaccia. Very important that that was said at the press conference in front of the new GM and the head coach. No one is hiding the fact that Rich Passaccia did a great job here. He's not a part of the future as the head coach going forward. They made a decision, the organization, Mark Davis, on how to take it to the next level. Now they got to get to the next level. And the buy-in by the players, you know, Max Crosby's been very vocal about Passaccia and some of the other coaches, and Max has the right to do that. They helped him. Max got sober. He became a pro bowler. A lot of people around Max who helped them get there, including many of the coaches who are no longer with the team. So I love when players thank the former coaches, and they thank people along the way. This is about life. Some of these guys are going to be friends with Passaccia for the next 30 years, and that's important. That is the culture of the Raiders. Once a Raider, always a Raider. When I get the honor to MC a lot of these alumni events, which I've been doing over 20 years, up in Napa, whatever it is, these former players show up, and some of them only played 10 games for the team, played a year for the team, and they come back and the red carpet's rolled out for them. And that will be the case for these players who are not back as their new player's going to come in and replace them, and hopefully those players can bomb the way this Raider team did down the stretch to make the playoffs. Big Al in San Francisco is up next. What's happening? Hi, JT. Happy Friday. Hope everything's well. Thanks, Al. It is. Thank you. You know, I'm looking at the Raiders, and, you know, they have obviously uh, we have a new head coach, and you'll be, you know, 15 other coaches or whatever that magic number is that they're going to hire. But on the offensive side of the ball where, you know, that's McDaniel's specialty, what I'm really hoping to see is that they make a decision on Derek, and if they decide to keep Derek, that means they're going to extend Derek. And if they extend Derek, that means I'd like to see a commitment with coaches and personnel on the offense where we're not changing out wide receivers. We've had so many wide receivers. I I think we could fill a ballroom that we've had inside that locker room in the last five years. And therefore, let's let's find a coach with a philosophy uh, that's consistent with the talent that they are planning to have and keep, whether they're going to – if they're going to turn over wide outs – that's fine. That they're going to turn over linemen, that's fine. But let's make sure it's cohesive to a philosophy and stay with that philosophy for a minimum of three to four years. Uh, the turnover on this team, uh, especially on the offensive side, has been rampant. The offensive line is, I mean, basically all brand new you know, as compared to a couple years ago. And I'd like to see the continuity, and I'd like to make sure that the scheme and the philosophy work so we're just not plugging players in because I feel like during the Gruden era and even going back to uh, the last year with Jack Del Rio, it was just a plug and play. Well, Big Al, you've been around this team a long time and you've worked the games and you've seen them up in the Bay Area. This is a team, you're right about the turnover. There's a lot of turnover in the NFL, period. But this team has got to have continuity with their star players in a system. And I like what you're saying, especially on the offensive side of the ball. This team needs to bring in a speed-wide receiver. Ruggs got up the speed with Carr last year very quickly in the offseason before the tragedy that killed Tina Tintor, and now he's done. they got to bring in a, either mid-level, and what I mean by that is a five-, six-, seven-year guy with a lot of gas left in his legs who is a big-time player in this league to help out Carr as a speedster, or they're going to have to go the draft. And I don't want to see him burn a number-one pick overall on a wide receiver uh, you know, in the 20s, they got to get this receiving situation down pat opposite of Renfro and Waller, you would agree. I agree. I agree 100%. I haven't looked at the free agent list to see who's out there, 
But we got to get a guy in there who we can say, Derek, we want you back, and we're going to up you for two more years. So you have at least three years with us. Whoever they bring in has to be with Derek for three years. And we need to be able to stop the turnover because we've had – look, the NFL has excessive turnover, but sometimes I think the Raiders give it new meaning. In 2017, there were 150 players in and out of that locker room from the beginning of training camp yeah. until the end of the year. It's too many people. So let's get some continuity at the key positions. Let's get some continuity at the line instead of plugging and playing. Even uh, Denzel Good, who was a nice player for the Raiders last season, you know, unfortunately got hurt all this season, he was a plug-and-play. Brandon Parker was a draft pick. You know, He was so far down the bench he needed a telescope to find right. midfield. He was a plug-and-play. Let's get guys in there, get the continuity, and have a coaching philosophy on the offensive side of the ball from the, you know, from the head coach to the offensive coordinator to the offensive line coach to the wideout coach to the quality control offensive assistant where the continuity is there and that we have the players there. Because too much turnover doesn't do anybody yep. any good. Thanks, Big Al. Have a great weekend. Thanks for calling. You know, Big Al mentioned the plug-and-play players, the plug-and-play on the offensive line. He nailed it. You can't have plug-and-play guys. I, I think the world the Tom Cable and what Tom Cable brought to the Raiders – I mean, think of how tough it was for Tom Cable knowing who he was going to have. He had to deal with Trent Brown, who was a disaster, one of the laziest football players I've ever seen because he didn't want to play. He just wanted to cash his checks, and then he only plays for New England. And then you look at Richie Incognito, who wanted to play. He just physically couldn't do it because of injury. You can't replace guys like Rodney Hudson, Gabe Jackson, Richie Incognito, Trent Brown at that level when he's at a pro bowler, you can't replace them with plug-and-play guys. Not in this league. Not in the AFC West. You've got to have a wall in front of Derek Carr going forward. Better offensive linemen brought in by Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniels, who have played in the league. Because if they haven't played in the league and you're telling me you're going to get these guys in the draft, they're going to be projects. I mean, Alex Leatherwood is not supposed to be a project. Alex Leatherwood is supposed to be a pro bowler. He was drafted high in the first round. Okay, if it takes him two years to figure out the league, I'm good with that. Same thing with Colton Miller. And look how Colton Miller advanced to a very high level in this league. I think he's going to be starting next year. I think Colton Miller is going to have six or seven years in a row going to the pro bowl. And that's a lot in this league. But what about Leatherwood? Leatherwood, if you don't want Leatherwood to be a pro bowler, don't take him in the first round. When they took him in the first round, I said all week going into it, trade up, go get Micah Parsons, trade up. And in order for the Raiders to do that, they would have had to trade up, I believe, from 17 to 10, probably to 9, to get out in front there and make a move like that. They chose not to do it, and they waited. Remember, the Damon Arnett draft pick was a disaster because the Raiders panicked on that pick. What happened was the Raiders thought that they, they desperately needed a corner. And they had a first and third round pick. They did not have the second. So what they did is they took a second to third round player and they drafted him in the first round. Then we found out the type of player he was off the field. He was a disaster. But I don't blame... Gruden and Mayock on that. When, when Arnett played in Ohio State and he went on the interview process, no one thought that he would deteriorate into the degenerate he is. No one saw that coming, and that happens. Lynn Bowden was drafted to be this kind of switchblade guy who can do everything. He didn't make it through camp, and he was cut. So when you look at some of the picks that were taken, 
A lot of thought went into him, due diligence, scouts. Everybody came together to pick up the phone and make that pick. Those can't happen again. Every once in a while, someone's going to be a bad guy. You draft them. You get them out of the organization quickly. But you can't have it at the rate that Mike Mayock had it. And it's unfortunate because Mike Mayock drafted some really good players, Hunter Renfro, Max Crosby, and then they, he brought in really good players, Casey Hayward, Denzel Perryman. There were players brought in. I, didn't, I don't think Littleton should be back. If they bring him back on a reduced contract and he all of a sudden fits in better with the new defensive coordinator, give it a shot. But this team needs to draft better immediately. And I think that's going to be one of our really big topics this offseason is what is Dave Ziegler going to do? Is he going to take the draft picks and package them and do something big and go get someone who we don't know who that is, but a big move? Are they going to trade back? I don't know. we got to see how he does this because he worked under Bill Belichick, and they did a nice job last year bringing in free agents and drafting well, and they did a great job with Mac Jones. Mac Jones is a rookie quarterback, went to the playoffs. He, he had interesting games all year. He was mature, and they coached him up well. And Derek Carr is much better than Mac Jones. But now Josh McDaniels got to coach him up to a higher level than the level that he is at right now. And because the level that Derek's at right now, he can get to the playoffs and win playoff games. No doubt about it. I think he can win a Super Bowl. I've always said that about Derek Carr. But does anybody know what the ceiling is for Derek? I don't. I don't know how much better he can get athletically running the ball. I don't know how much better he could get at the line of scrimmage. But there's been, a, there's been a lot of problems in protecting Derek Carr, giving him weapons. The weapons that he gets find themselves out of the league. He's dealing with injuries up front. Derek's not injured. His offensive line's always banged up. So we need a calm offseason where Derek gets better players in front of him, an elite wide receiver, and then go from there. Because the rest of the offense is damn good. And the reason why so many guys got hurt last year and new guys had to step up, Zay Jones, Foster Moreau at times, the players can play. They just need that one explosive player. So Derek has that player that can take the pressure off a rent throw and Waller going forward. That's what I think is going to happen, and I, I think Dave Ziegler is going to get it done. That's why he was brought in. He went through an extensive interview process with Mark Davis and their committee to make sure that the philosophies were on the same page to get this team to go to the next level. All right, coming up next hour, right here at the top of the hour, I'm going to replay the Josh McDaniels interview heading into the weekend. Also, Olden Polonis will join us, the 15-year big man center, went up against Shaq and Elijah on and all those great players and held his own. He wants to talk about Brian Flores, and he's one of my Mount Rushmore guests. We'll put him on. And then what the Rams are doing in Los Angeles to take advantage of having the Super Bowl. Kevin Demoff talked as he runs the Rams about what could happen to that team now if they win the Super Bowl or just having more eyeballs on them. We'll play that sound coming up on the other side. And the Washington football team is now called the Commanders. What a terrible choice of a name. The fans back there hate it already. But the owner, is he hanging by a thread after this committee from earlier today? And what happened with their letter? What is new for this team going forward? And should this owner, Daniel Snyder, be out of this league? Is Stephen Ross fighting for his ownership in Miami? And what's going on with Jimmy Haslam in Cleveland if Hugh Jackson's allegations are true? What a wild week. I'll never forget this week. Usually the week before Super Bowl, 
call it Super Bowl bye week, there's not much going on. And then we ramp up for the Super Bowl. But this week, just a firestorm of topics. Firestorm of topics. Hey, Tommy White and the 872 Laborers, they're a proud partner of our show. We thank them for building the stadium where the Pro Bowl will be on Sunday. I'll see you out there.